When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Bridgewater's in the gun. Three receivers left, two right. Takes a low snap, drops back. Looking, has time, dancing around, throws back to the end zone. Caught, Traquan Smith! Touchdown, Saints! All right, welcome in to Purple Daily. I know that there is a lot going on here with the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Wild, and I do not want to get Judd Zolged started on the Minnesota Wild. So your update is... The Wolves took D'Angelo Russell for a helicopter ride in California, and then he did not sign with them and instead signed with a California team. And the Minnesota Wild signed an old player, who I like but is old, to a really long, expensive contract. So everything is just fine in Minnesota, and the other team, the Twins, they're actually good, which is weird, but they got snubbed like crazy for the All-Star game, so we're good. I mean, I feel very comfortable today, Judd. I feel like a very comfortable Minnesota sports coverer. I tweeted my guy Rami yesterday, and I said, this is just your latest lesson in what being a sports fan in this town is. This is a very, this whole Wolves thing was absolutely perfect. And, and I love it, and I don't know the uh, d- details, and I believe our friend Johnny Krasinski broke this part of the story, but Matthew, I absolutely love It's So Timberwolves that they met with this guy that they coveted in California and thought, what can we do? Let's take him up in a helicopter and show him California. Now, I do want to point out that Los Angeles and San Francisco are, are nowhere, nowhere near I know, each other. I know, but what would be your, when, when, the, when the 49ers years ago were competing with the Vikings, for a defensive end by the name of was it Justin Smith who, who had played for the Bengals yeah, who was really yeah, really good good player good player and and the Vikings at that time were desperate to get a pass r- rushing end the one of the 49ers ploys to, to keep him there and it ultimately worked was to take him up in a helicopter in San Francisco and say look at our city it's yeah. gorgeous and he said you are exactly right where can i sign I just love the fact that the Wolves said, let's show him. Let's show him as much as we can. Because if nothing else, the Lakers are interested in him as well. So if he doesn't you know, come here, he can sign with the Lakers after seeing again how beautiful this area is. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Can't make it up. You could have at least got him on a layover on his way out to show him a little Minnesota. And when you go up in the plains of Minnesota, you see all the lakes I've heard uh, yes. that there are more than ten thousand. Actually, there are. Um, it's it's but a really come on. it's a really beautiful scene, and uh, nope, we got to see the beaches in California in a helicopter. So we're in a great place. And <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, over the weekend, I was keeping track of all this, watching the Twins and the White Sox, the Lynx. Um, now that was something that usually doesn't happen in Minnesota sports. The Lynx blowing a fourteen point lead to lose a game the other day, but losing is a thing that happens all mm-hmm. the time here. Um, and there was a short video of a Chicago Cubs pitcher losing his mind after throwing at Yasiel Puig. And I decided I'm going to make a little joke about this, which you do on Twitter. It's not too serious of a time in our lives in the middle of July. So I'm going to make a little joke. And I said, this is what I look like anytime someone said Teddy Bridgewater was not good in 2015. I look like Pedro Strop being all mad and yelling at Yasiel Puig. Pointing. Trying to make a joke, okay? All right. So, of course, this ignites a 
fire of people yelling at each other about whether Teddy Bridgewater or Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback and whether Teddy Bridgewater was actually good in 2015, which I think we've pretty much resolved with all the winning and the coaches who want Teddy Bridgewater and the teammates who liked him and the first-round draft status and everything else. He's pretty good at football. So so that's not even really a debate anymore, even though that's what happened. But it uh, also resulted in one particular tweeter telling me that I should just stop talking about Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, it's over. Let it go. Stop talking about him. And so, Judd, I started thinking about it a lot with Teddy and what the next conversation is with him. And I think it's how much his knee injury really impacted this franchise. That the full ripple effect will, I think, be over with with the Kirk Cousins era. Like Once Kirk Cousins is done being a quarterback here, then it's probably time that we say, okay, the ripple effect is done, that era is over with. But right now, we are still very much in the... His injury changed the entire trajectory of this franchise at the quarterback position, and it's impacted them every single season since. And as we go into another Super Bowl or bust type of year, and a year where Kirk Cousins could become the long-term franchise quarterback, I, I think that we're not done with that Teddy Bridgewater conversation. I would say this. And I, I don't know if this man is going to coach the Vikings for one more year, five. I don't know. As long as Mike Zimmer is the head coach of the Vikings, Teddy will always be present in, in the discussion because he was Zim's guy. And, and I couldn't uh, have fully appreciated that the day that he got hurt. Now, we knew that Mike loved him. We knew that without a doubt. But I couldn't have fully appreciated his impact on his head coach until seeing how said head coach dealed with the rest of the quarterbacks that came after. Mm -hmm. Like Mike loved him because I think Mike said, I hate quarterbacks and I love this kid. It was really weird, but my appreciation for that didn't become complete until Case Keenum. And we're all saying that year, what a great pop-up. This is so much fun. And Mike's like, no, it's going to end badly. And Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins, I guarantee you, Mike Mike might like him as a person. I have no idea, no clue. But as a player, I think he's like, I got to put up with this crap, right? Teddy, from a person, a personal perspective, as a human being, and probably more importantly in Mike's mind also, from a playing perspective, as a conservative but smart and talented quarterback, was was the perfect player in at a position that Mike. Zimmer across the board, I think, really does despise. So I don't think this discussion is completely dead until Zim walks out that door at some point in time. So there's a ripple effect um, of you could just kind of do the tangible of, okay, you go to Sam Bradford, you trade away that first-round pick, which they still, in a way, feel the effects of because that first-round pick, whomever it would have been, would have been on a rookie contract. So if it was at a key position, say, you would have, let's even say they drafted the guy Philadelphia pick, Derek Barnett. You probably don't keep Everson Griffin at a huge dollar amount after last year because you would have a rookie on a rookie deal. And there are lots of other things that could have happened there, too, an offensive lineman and so forth. So you could go through the direct impacts of they get Sam Bradford, then it goes to Case Keenum, and then it goes to Kirk Cousins and and all that. And then I've been having fun thinking about all the other teams that there's some sort of impact, too, like the Denver Broncos. They pick up Case Keenum. They would have never done that. Arizona probably doesn't pay $20 million for Sam Bradford if he didn't turn around his reputation by playing really well for the Minnesota Vikings. So there's a lot of fun things that you can do with that, and I'm working on that for an article. But the point that you're making, I think, is one where it still has maybe the the second biggest impact is how friend compared to every other one that you're, you know, you're going to compare every other girl you meet to your first love mm-hmm. and... This is for people, not us, who didn't marry their first girlfriends like we did. Yeah, this is for um, yeah. ordinary so people. Other people. The ordinary had, guys, not who, us. Right, who the are outliers. Able to get multiple girlfriends. We are the lives. outliers, <laughs> I hope. But, aside, but think about it this way if you are Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph to some extent with this, 
Uh, a lot of the guys on the defense, you're Anthony Barr and you're Mike Zimmer. So Mike Zimmer, his first quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. And he's everything that Mike Zimmer wanted. He's the leader and he's the person that gets everybody to raise their play around him. He executes the offense exactly how he's asked to do it, but he can make plays that go off schedule. He could run with the ball at, at his best. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, the best on third downs. Everything the head coach things. desired. Yep, exactly. So they could run the ball a lot with Adrian Peterson and not turn it over. Yep. But then if they got in third and long, Teddy Bridgewater could keep them moving. Yep. It was exactly what Mike Zimmer wanted. So every quarterback who came after that for the head coach was, here's Keenum taking too many risks. I'm a little scared by that. You're throwing way too many footballs up in the air, even though they all worked out that year. And then with Kirk Cousins, you're turning the ball over too much early in the season. You're turning the ball over too much. And uh, somebody, actually, Eric Eager, our friend from Pro Football Focus, I believe it was, shared a statistic with me that Kirk Cousins, as he went along in the season, his big-time throws, the tight window throws down the field, went way down. And I think in part... Because Mike Zimmer was telling him, stop turning the ball over, stop taking risks, stop throwing interceptions. And it got in Kirk Cousins' head a little bit. Um, and, and in the locker room perspective, Cousins is a very different person from Teddy Bridgewater. He's a very different person from a lot of He's alpha a, male quarterbacks. He is a corporate quarterback. He's, Teddy was anything but that. And I also think that he does not relate to people the same way uh, that Teddy Bridgewater did. Yeah. I, I wrote a big piece about this. At one point where I just went to different guys and said, hey, how did Teddy Bridgewater impact you as a player? And a lot of guys talked about how in his area of the locker room, he would bring over guys who were seventh-round picks, who were rookies, or guys who wouldn't make the team. That's Vlad Dukasis' like that. team. And, and that's right. Which he was actually being very sincere about, because yep. the, the majority of players who would say that, you, you would be like, you're full of BS. So, so what's interesting to me here about this, and why it's not to be let go, is that it's the the reverberations of Teddy Bridgewater. Whoops, are still yeah. I just the smacked subject. the mic. Uh, the reverberations of him as yep. a leader and as a person in the, in the locker room and as a player. Because if you think about the opposite directions of these two guys, where Bridgewater would kind of be big in the big times, and the statistics back this up, where he was biggest in the big times in big situations, what. They saw from Cousins last year. I'm not saying this won't ever happen because Cousins is extremely talented. Mm-hmm. But last year alone, that sample alone was national TV games where he didn't play well. And the last thing they saw from him was week 17, a complete no show for them to miss the playoffs. And with Bridgewater, every time they played a big game in 2015, he seemed to step up. Every time they were down by a score in the fourth quarter, he seemed to step up and make plays. So that locker room. And it's this is not fair to Kirk Cousins, but it's just the fact is they look at some of that stuff, the intangible stuff and the situational stuff and how uh, Bridgewater was just conservative enough to not turn it over but could could step up when they needed him to. They look at that and then they look at Kirk and go, well, you're not like that. You're not like that guy that we all liked here in 2015. In the course of the 2015 season, how many times, and I'm not talking games, I'm talking times, individual times, do you think that Teddy did something where Mike said, oh, God, no? So, I would say it was a handful of yeah. times probably. Was it 2015 he tried the left-handed pass, or was that 2014? That might have been 2014. But anyway, but, <laughs> but, but, the, but the point being is Zimmer loved the kid because he knew what he was going to get from his personality, mm-hmm. from his demeanor, from his playing. And I will get, so I will, give you, I will give you the thing that if Mike was not in love with, with Teddy, yet he was for sure after. This is a team that went through 2015 training camp. Offense geared towards, and it should have been, the QB, right? So everything is geared geared towards young QB, successful as possible, what can we do? And they got to game one in San Francisco, and it's a disaster. And Peterson is is doesn't like the fact that they're in shotgun or pistol formation. Sure, yeah. And clearly behind the scenes went and complained loudly. Because I believe by week two, it had all changed. Mm-hmm. And now the, the offense was geared towards your aging, not as good as he once was, running back. I don't remember once, Teddy, saying, what's going on here? Now, he might have privately, but think about that. Think about how many how many quarterbacks would have sat there and been quiet and been like, oh, that's fine. Let's deviate towards a position that is, by the way, going out of style here with an aging player. 
How many quarterbacks would have, would have pulled aside a reporter, an ESPN person, whatever, and said, what the hell, off the record, what the hell are these people doing to me? Yeah. And the fact that that kid put up with that and, and then succeeded and did his best. And Peterson was good, but guess what? That's one of the most lame brain ideas I've ever seen. <laughs> no, seriously, to oh, morph yeah. your offense to your running back? Yeah. When your quarterback is young and needs your help at, at, at every turn. And by the way, it was crystal clear what was going to make Teddy as successful as possible. And he got the rug pulled out from under him that season and was told to be as successful as possible. If you're the head coach, you fall in love with that player instantly. And that's a quarterback. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not a, on that team was willing to accept a running back who, by the way, turned out to be incredibly selfish. Started to leak stuff about when he was going to come back. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Think about all that. Yep. Yep. And think about how disgusted Mike seemed, rightfully so. And meanwhile, the one one of the most key positions on that team keeps his mouth shut, does everything right, and they get to the playoffs. And, and not only that, but you know, they had one of the worst offensive lines in the league that yes. year. It was it was worse that year, objectively speaking, than it was last year. I mean, you had Matt Khalil and TJ Clemmings as your starting tackles. Brian O'Neill and Riley Reef as your starting tackles are way better than Matt Khalil and, and TJ Clemmings. It's a that's about the lowest bar you could ever set. Um, Matt Khalil is still in the league, but probably shouldn't be. Houston now? Uh yeah. And TJ Clemmings, I think he got a couple of snaps with Oakland last Chicago year. Chicago signed him. But oh Chicago he has signed, signed with the still, Bears. He's still Bring him back. Around. Bring him back um, and play him here. But but the the point is is not so much that Bridgewater was just a good quarterback. And any deep dive on this, and I, I've even worked with the Pro Football Focus guys on this um, to look a little bit deeper. And I did a thread about it on Twitter about some of the underlying stats. If you throw out the touchdown statistic, which they ran the ball. It's pretty simple. They just ran the ball in the red zone. Maybe Seattle should have taken that model. I'm just saying in the Super Bowl. No, um, no, but, no. You call for a pass every but, time. But here's, a, here's a, a good stat to just sort of crystallize it for you. Is when he had a clean pocket, so no pressure at all. Teddy Bridgewater was between ranked between Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers in his quarterback rating when he had a clean pocket. It just didn't happen at, that often because they had a a very poor offensive line. But when he got his chance to throw, he was very, very good that season. But that, I think, matters less and less as we go along about what the big picture was on Teddy Bridgewater, how good he could have been. Was he growing the arm strength, which it certainly looked like he was going into that 2016 preseason, and much, much more about his personality and about how he related to people and made people better. And you're talking about that, the coaching situation where... Yeah, if somebody's going to go out there and have to deal with Adrian Peterson's massive ego that Peterson is acting like 2012, but it's not 2012 anymore, and yet you don't hear a peep from the quarterback, it's also that he, in that 2017 locker room, played such a huge role. And that's the team, when Anthony Barr comes back to this team, he's thinking 2017. He's thinking that's what we're capable of. Brian Robinson said he's never seen a locker room in his entire career like 2017. And I agree. In my reporting career, I've never seen anything like it. And when Teddy that year would pull Adam Thielen aside, this is what Adam told me, he would pull him aside and show him things on tape and be like, hey, I bet the quarterback was actually thinking this on that play. And maybe if you adjust yourself a little bit, that you're going to help out Case Keenum. And he pulled Case Keenum aside in Washington, D.C. and said, hey, I saw this read of this safety and what this happened. And he threw a touchdown to Stephon Diggs because of it. That type of stuff is what they remember. It's not even so much, you know, the throw to Kyle Rudolph at the end of 2015 in the playoff game that sets them up for the field goal they should have made. It's so much more about when you're Adam Thielen and that's how Teddy Bridgewater was with you. And he also got along extremely well with Case Keenum. Mm -hmm. And this guy is kind of embarrassing you on national TV on the sideline showing you how to run routes. I mean, he's going to be a professional, so he's going to be great. Adam Thielen, but everybody else sees that too. It's not just Thielen. Everybody in that locker room sees that too. And and if Bridgewater had never been here and Kirk Cousins came after Matt Castle or something, I, I think that stuff like that would be... A, guys a little, guys might leave? A little more... Well, maybe they would leave, but a little more shrug your shoulders at. But, but it's from what they saw before, I think still matters. The 2017 dynamic that stops me, because this is super rare, and it speaks to the entire culture there at the time, is the fact that Keenum, the game 
that against the Bengals where Teddy got, got in. And keep in mind, this was a situation where there were people pushing for him to play again. Oh, yeah. For Keenum to be benched. So this was they not were a nice... In a crowd, they were yelling, Teddy, Teddy, at the beginning of that game so, when he struggled. So this was not like a nice little story. This was, this was, this was a threat to what Keenum had done. And they take Keenum out and put Teddy in. And if I'm not mistaken, Keenum starts doing the skull clap and starts yes, chanting. Yes, he's for the one who Ted. started. But it, think yep. about, but think about how many quarterbacks who were who were being threatened for their job that and and they're having this great year would actually buy in and be like, this is fantastic. That does yeah, not happen in few. pro sports. Very few. Yeah, it might happen in college sports. Might happen in high school sports, but pro sports. And this I know also that there were people in the locker room who thought Bridgewater should have taken over. Well, didn't Mike call a meeting of the veteran committee to talk about this? Everson Griffin told us that 2017 that they they talked it over as leaders of the team and decided that they should stay with Case because they were rolling. And ultimately, you get to the NFC Championship game, so it wasn't like a huge mistake or anything. Right. Um, I, I will always wonder if they should have put Sam Bradford in the second half of the NFC Championship game, but that's nitpicking. But the fact um, that Mike did that speaks to to where Mike's heart was. Sure. Yeah. Like if you're not going yeah. to make that change, you don't ask your veterans. Right. If right. you are tempted to, you ask your veterans. And the fact that they overcame that pretty easily, um, I had heard from someone else, um, not a player on that 2017, that they were stunned that how much Zimmer was publicly critical of Case Keenum. They couldn't believe it. And, <laughs> and and neither could we. Lump honestly. Us in with that honestly, group. yeah, we we couldn't either. I've never seen it before. And that, but it didn't affect it didn't affect the locker room at all that he that he had done that in 2016 when he criticized Barr, it was a huge deal. But the 2017 locker room was just something very unique and special. Terrence Newman was still there, and Case could take it as well. Yeah, to his credit, yeah. Case could take it. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, yep. if you did that to Kirk, you'd be he'd be lost. Right, and you'd lose him instantly. Now, I I want to say this because we're going to take a break here and mm-hmm. continue the conversation of how everything is still connected to Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think that they'll move on a little bit more from this this year, and that could help Kirk Cousins. I want to talk about this more. When we return, you are listening to Purple Daily. Real quick, I will let you know if the Wolves sign Michael Scott to uh, play forward or something for this year, or Phyllis, or... Uh, is that where the direction we're going? <laughs> yes, Kevin. <laughs> the if you haven't seen the basketball episode of The Office, it's amazing, and that's basically all the free agents that are left for the Wolves. So <laughs> we will take a break. We will return here on Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Reggie, when it comes to the best of the best head coach quarterback combo in that division, yeah. who is it? What do you say? Let's go with the Minnesota Vikings for Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. Okay. Mike Zimmer can show Kirk Cousins the ins and outs on what defenses are thinking and also what defensive, uh, defensive coordinators are thinking. And let's not forget, in year one, Kirk Cousins with Mike Zimmer, he threw for 4,298 yards, 30 touchdowns, and only 10 interceptions. He had two receivers, Cole. Okay. That they were pretty good. Over a thousand yards. So they've already built the foundation there, and you can only expect uh, year two to only get better. All right, welcome back into Purple Daily. Um, maybe we should have changed the conversation, Judd, instead of Teddy Bridgewater, which uh, we're continuing to talk about. Instead, we should talk about which free agents the Vikings should have taken in helicopters over other cities. Is this this not not knowing the full story, which I will fully admit to, is this not the most Minnesota Timberwolves thing ever? If you have not heard, the Timberwolves took D'Angelo Russell in a helicopter 
while they were in Los Angeles, California. And you're right. That's not, not San Francisco. Minnesota. And, and yes, it is not right. San Francisco. But the point is still that the Timberwolves would be the only team to take a player in a helicopter that's not their city. <laughs> and then he signs somewhere else. What are you pointing out? There's Staples Center. It's only a that's three where Kobe, hour flight. That's from where here. Kobe played. Isn't it great? The Kings play there too. That is There's a, Dodger Stadium. All oh, the twins don't play there, no. That's a bizarre decision. They, that's where um, the Angels play. What are you what are you thinking? Who did they have come here a couple years ago? Some funny names now. Eddie Lacey. They had come here, and he didn't sign here because the pizza wasn't good enough. Yeah, uh, well, and that's right. I forgot. That's not that's not real. No, but I no, I forgot maybe. about Eddie Lacy though. And Jared Cook signed with Oakland instead of Minnesota yep. last year. They could have used Jared Cook. He would have been a nice fresh. addition. Yeah, for sure. Especially in, in the uh, current offense they're about to run. So if you missed any of our first segment, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Purple Daily here. What we were discussing is the reverberations of Teddy Bridgewater and his injury, and how it's still impacts the way that the head coach and players on the team who have many of whom have been here since 2015 view the current quarterback because of how different Kirk Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater are uh, personality wise. But I I think this year, here's why I don't think it's going to be the same as it was last year where it clearly impacted the locker room. And there's been enough conversations sort of behind the scenes that you can clearly say that some of the things he did in press conferences, some of the things like the Week 17 deal on the sideline, that that all didn't go unnoticed by everyone in the locker room. So put it that way. But the, the two reasons I would say that it's not going to have the same impact this year as it did last year is, one, they know what to expect now. That it's like a coworker that you start working with, and let's say they get really upset every time you talk hockey with them. Let's just say, for example, I'm not talking about anybody specific. Sure. So when their hockey team that they follow does something crazy, you know to just like tiptoe around that person the next day. I'm again, I'm not referring to any There's situation an that path I you're choosing about. to go down. Um, but the, the it's funny I'm becoming more upset the, as you the, do it. The point is just I don't that, know why I'm getting madder. But they but they know now what to expect, how his personality works, how he relates to players, and maybe it's different than Teddy Bridgewater. But that doesn't mean that they can't work with Kirk Cousins and win games. Hmm. But compared to Keenum, compared to Bridgewater, it was very different. Even compared to Sam Bradford, it was quite a bit different with. Her cousins. So now they kind of understand what they're in for if things go wrong or if there's a miscommunication or whatever else. I think it's way easier to deal with something if you know it's coming. Like, for example, if they're going to, if you know that someone is going to knock down your house, okay, well, that's not great, but they're going to do that and I'm prepared for it. If it's struck by lightning and it burns to the ground, you're going to be really shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, uh, I had a car. That was totaled when a woman, an, an older lady, mistaked the brake for the gas. Oh, sure. And yep, totaled happens. my parked car. Yep. And so I walked out and saw it. And I can tell you that I was more upset than if I had known it was going to be totaled. Anyway, so I think they're ready for it. Part two yep. is the Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski factor. I don't believe that John D. Filippo fully understood how to work with Kirk Cousins. Yes. And I agreed completely. Think that Kevin Stefanski is the offensive coordinator because he did. Well, and and keep in mind too, and this is not saying that Teddy was great. I'm not trying to imply that, all right? But Teddy's personality was such that he had the ability to attempt to in a pretty good-natured way overcome obstacles. Sure. Kirk Cousins doesn't have that. So when they essentially said, "Kirk, here's your offense." Kirk doesn't have the ability to be like, okay, I'll try this. It doesn't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It didn't work. So Kirk is a human being whose whose working conditions need to probably be far more ideal than Teddy's were. And again, I'm not saying that that means Teddy was a Hall of Famer, but I do think that, that he showed in 2015 that put in a situation which was not really that great for him, he was willing to work around that and did a pretty damn good job there. And and he used the player who caused him problems to his advantage, credit to Teddy for that. Kirk got here and was asked to, essentially because he's being paid so much, just run this offense, and Kirk couldn't do it. So the Vikings learned an important lesson in that case, Collar, in my opinion, 
by being shown, okay, we've got to put this guy, we've got to make Kirk's conditions at least more favorable to him, Mm -hmm. which I think they're going to do in 2019, and they definitely did not do in 2018. And that's that's another area where there is a difference between what Teddy could do and, heck, probably even Case and Kirk. That doesn't mean that Kirk might not be the most physically talented quarterback. I don't know that. But we saw examples of Kirk being a being put into a place at times last year where he a was not comfortable and b clearly could not succeed. The question I have about Kirk Cousins, though, is when things do ultimately get hairy, none of this, whether they expect it or not, whether they have somebody else helping him out or not, it's really just going to be on him. And last year, there were times where they did get through it. The, the entire year was overall a disaster, considering what they expected. They expected to go thirteen and three, or twelve and four, or eleven and five. They didn't expect to go eight, seven and one. But there were times that things got pretty ugly, like when they lost to Buffalo, mm-hmm. and then they bounced back and they won some games. And there were times where it was clear that the head coach and the offensive coordinator did not see eye to eye. And Kirk Cousins was able to win some games and, and play pretty well as they went down the stretch, or especially the, the game that I thought was a real high for him, where I thought at the time, okay, this is going to be a playoff team. This is going to go pretty well, was in Philadelphia. He did have one of those bizarre fumbles where he threw it backwards instead of forward. But assuming that that doesn't you know, continue to happen, <laughs> which, which gonna, I don't know. We're going to discourage that in Egan this year. But my point is just that when you look at the bigger picture, yes, the first year, uh, they didn't overcome the things that they needed to overcome. And there were too many times where there were games they should have won, but they lost. But it's not like the guy just has any sort of adversity and completely melts down and can't play at all. Right. So I I think really the difference in whether it'll be a repeat of last year or whether this year is better for him when it comes to the intangible type stuff or the show up in big games is they need him to have one more Philadelphia game and one fewer Seattle game. And they also need him every once in a while to feel empowered enough to make the throw that he's not supposed to make or take off running when he's not supposed to take off running. Which he sort of did in week three at Green Bay. Or week two in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a a great example. That was a game. I can tell you that, that you... We will know it's going to be a different Kirk Cousins if he plays like he feels comfortable. I don't. There think were too many yeah. games last year, and and this was and the tweaks are probably going to be small. I'm not talking about oh Eureka, the offense looks completely different, and they're trying really new things. But there are obviously tweaks that have to be made, and and that Green Bay game, I saw a player who has a really good arm and has talent, and looked comfortable. And starting with Buffalo, I saw far too many games where he looked uptight and he looked like, and and the the thing that you can tell from Cousins very quickly is if he's frustrated, the body language changes completely and so does his play at times. And that's the player that the Vikings need to avoid. And and back to a previous point, even in minicamp, this is why they can talk all they can talk, but it's still going to be the same guy. It's really just about mitigating those couple of times or, or making a few more Green Bay second half or Philadelphia where he's actually being aggressive. There was the throw. They were at, backed up at their own two or something, and he makes a 50-yard pass to Adam Thielen. It, it's the right read because it's man coverage, but it's being aggressive. It's going down the field and giving Adam Thielen a chance to make a play. And I would say that he did that in Los Angeles. There were a couple of throws uh, there was one to Aldrick Robinson in the end zone where Aldrick ran the wrong route, but he found him anyway, and you know stuff like that. So uh, it's it's not that it's impossible. It's about getting a few more of those types of games. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, having him feel empowered. But also, when he shows that body language, I think that this team is more prepared for it. I think that the receivers are more prepared for it, the tight end, the, the everybody around him, the defense, that when you see that he's being that way, as he was in OTAs and minicamp, I saw when he was day. getting frustrated. Yeah. Yep, barking at guys and throwing his hands. They up jumped, in the air right? And, yeah, uh, they jumped off sides. There was he another got, time where he started stomping around at one point. Somebody didn't go in motion when they were supposed to, or something like that. Yep. And he had to huddle up again, and it was very clear how frustrated he was. 
And I, I don't think that um, the other quarterbacks handled things that way, especially not Bridgewater, but especially not in May. Well, May and June. Especially not That's the difference. And Sam oh, Bradford is the greatest May and <laughs> July quarterback I've ever seen. So yeah. he had no problem with that. <laughs> especially, well, especially the second year, because in the second year, he was working with Pat Shermer, and he and Shermer knew each other so well. And, and this is the point about the Kubiak thing and how it just, there, there were more conflicts, I think, than we even realized at the time with DeFilippo and Cousins about not just, like, do you want to run this play or that play? But about their personalities were like putting gasoline and fire to, to each other, I think. And maybe maybe two similar of personalities don't, don't go together, right. I guess. Uh, whereas what you have now is Stefanski, as you know, is a very patient type of man. Mm-hmm. And Gary Kubiak is an OG, but also a very patient He's seen it all, kind too. of guy. Right. There's no hurry here. He's had every type He's of He's not quarter. trying to get a new job. Yep. Exactly. Flip was trying. Flip was also like wound like a rubber band but, ball. But, you know, in Flip's defense to, to a certain point as well, he comes here and the immediate columns and articles written both here and nationally are like, it's only a matter of time before he's a head coach. Yep, yep. And the, the inherent pressure there, if you're Kubiak, you're like, I'm not trying to get a job. Yeah. I'm just m- making my million plus here and it's fantastic. Yep. And I'll go fishing. And uh, he will be an interim head coach this year, I think, when the Jaguars ultimately fire Doug Marone. <laughs> anyway. Oh, flip you mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were saying they're going to come oh, get Gary. No, no, Gary no, no. ain't coaching. That, I think Gary's done with head that, coaching. That was uh, that was a Courtney Cronin extremely hot take, that he would be the offensive coordinator by week five. But uh, that that was when I, head coach? when I asked for bold takes. That, oh, was okay. the one that, that was the one that she gave. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you, Judd, about Bridgewater's future because we— we spent the hour here talking about Teddy Bridgewater. Because you were told not because to. Because I was told not to by someone on Twitter. So naturally... Uh, uh, the greatest grudge holder I know. That's what I'm going to do. Um, like an elephant, that memory. Well, well the, the, it wasn't just that someone said to let it go. Because I understand that. We've talked a lot about it. I've written 10,000 words about a guy I saw through two passes. All right? Like, between different articles, it's probably even more than that. And I've got several thousand more on the way that I was working on over the weekend. Not the point. <laughs> The, the point was that the tweeter said something to the effect of, let's see your ratings if you talk about Bridgewater. And I'm like, this tweet got a hundred-something favorites and responses. People love Teddy. That's it's, the thing. But there are, it, it's, you know, there's, the debate, though, has gotten old. And I'll agree with that with the tweeter, that the debate of, was Teddy good? Here's your answer. Sean Payton just paid a bunch of money for him. The broken version. Yeah. Like, Yeah. He was good. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's yeah. really the, the debate is over. He was really good. And the Saints want to make him their franchise quarterback long term. That's what we were told on this show by the Saints reporter from ESPN not too long ago that that's what he's heard that he's going to be. My guy Triplett? So, yeah, Mike Triplett. He's good. He's fantastic. But so, so, whether he's a good quarterback or not, that debate is over. But to me, the impact of him being here and being the person he was has not fully ended. Um, and, and, and the ripple effect around the league has not either. So I'm going to tell you I, two things when mm-hmm. we come back. How, like, as I've been doing this ripple effect, look into it for our website, um, how Kyler Murray is connected to Teddy Bridgewater in a way. And also whether we think that Teddy ever does become the Saints franchise quarterback. We will continue to discuss. Rami will be in for hot routes for the second hour and much, much more. Here you are listening to Purple Daily. Oh Jonathan here with the Score North Download. Vikings fans, you may not be the biggest fans of Joe Buck, but he was recently asked by the Washington Post about his top favorite calls in his career, and he said, quote, and I think my last one was my most thrilling, which was Stefan Diggs' walk-off touchdown against the Saints two years ago in the postseason. Everyone expected if he made that catch, he'd hop out of bounds, but instead he didn't, and he turned around and ran it in for the winning touchdown. We felt the stadium erupt and had one of those definitive moments in football. So, Vikings fans, does that redeem him a little bit in your eyes? Tweet us your thoughts at Score North on Twitter. At Score North on Twitter. That's your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, and Jonathan Harrison. 
Jed, you can stay for hot routes if you want. You don't. You, you, it's totally up to you. You know, if I'm offered the chance, okay, yeah, go I'm ahead. never yeah. going to leave hot yeah, routes. I, you, you brought it up. Stay. I, you've done a lot I of work today. I believe it is my favorite. As as much as I like, write that down. I think hot routes might be my favorite. It's my favorite. Uh, that's coming up in about 15 minutes. Rami will be in as well. And I've got a lot of good stuff today for Hot Routes. I'm excited about that. But we have been spending the day since, of course, it was the most Minnesota weekend of all time here in sports. We have been... Just, I told Rami. We've really, like, this has become a staple of being a Minnesota sports fan yeah. is to talk about Teddy Bridgewater. It's, <laughs> I, I'm going to check right now how many responses that tweet got to it. I was joking. I was just messing around like, ha, this is me when someone says Teddy wasn't good. It got 350 favorites, 43 retweets, and started massive arguments inside of my Twitter. All I said was when somebody claims Teddy Bridgewater wasn't that good in 2015 and then used a gif of a guy being upset. That was it. That was the, And that's the whole thing. And yeah, it just, I'm not surprised. Um, so let me ask you this about Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, let me explain the Kyler Murray thing first, and then I'll ask you the question. Uh I've been trying to figure out how Teddy's injury impacted the rest of the league. And once I started going down that rabbit hole, it's like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. So when I started researching back to when Sam Bradford was traded here and his reputation when he was traded here was a first round bust, a guy who basically got Chip Kelly fired because he wasn't good enough in a way. Um, someone who the Eagles didn't believe in at all and went out and drafted Carson Wentz, which led Sam Bradford to make himself look like a petulant child by sitting out a mini camp or something. Yes. Right? Remember that? He got mocked he went and made fun of? He, went, he got very upset. He I do. had about the worst reputation you could have yep. when he was in Philly. Yep. And he comes here and puts up with one of the worst offensive lines in football, if not the worst that year with all the injuries they had. No running game whatsoever. The offensive coordinator resigns on him because he started using the wrong offense for Sam Bradford all of a sudden. And he comes out of all of this having Mike Zimmer really appreciate him, actually. Mm -hmm. Zimmer really ended up liking Sam Bradford. Mm -hmm. He finishes his career essentially, will not count Chicago, the night against New Orleans with one of the best games in franchise history and walks away with a pretty good reputation as somebody who might have revamped his career. And so Arizona takes the chance on him by bringing him in, even though they did draft Josh Rosen. Which we, all, which we all said that contract was crazy. $20 million yes. on Sam Bradford. No way they do that if he doesn't re, uh, revamp his reputation as a member of the Vikings. So he goes to Arizona, completely flops because his knees don't work anymore, goes 0-3, has a 60 quarterback rating, is just a disaster. So they're forced to turn to Josh Rosen, who not only wasn't ready, but had about the worst situation in the entire world. Rosen plays terribly, which leads them to fire their coach, trade Josh Rosen, hire Cliff Kingsbury, draft Kyler Murray. So you can connect the Kyler Murray Okay, so that's how you connect the dots. Yes, yes. Now, Bradford, too... the one thing I'll, I'll say is I think the reason why he loved it, it here especially, though, is is think about the media in this town. Bradford in Philly basically got run out, right? Oh, yeah. The media in that market, East Coast, they dump on you immediately. So I think he, he loved coming to the Vikings because he was a laid-back guy, didn't want any, any trouble, right? Just wanted to play QB, and we basically are like, okay, that's fine. In Philadelphia, it's like you are a first round bust oh, and a sure. disappointment. Yep, You're yep, going to yep, fail, yep. aren't you? Yep. So I do think it's unfortunate he got hurt in the sense that he found a situation here that for his personality fit perfectly. And Shermer was a part of that too. Sure. That he knew Pat Shermer and boy, those guys, two peas in a pod with their personality. And two guys I mean, that don't belong just, anywhere near the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Shermer that's too. True. Shermer that's with true. the Giants is a disaster. So this is how many teams I've been able to connect. I haven't finished it yet by any means, but like how many teams I've been able to connect to the Teddy Bridgewater injury somehow. Okay. New York is absolutely one of them because New York has Pat Shermer as their coach. Even if Te- if Teddy Bridgewater's still here and somehow Shermer still becomes the offensive coordinator, everyone would look at that as, oh, Bridgewater became what he was supposed to become. And good for you, Pat Shermer. But with Keenum, it was Whoa, this guy's a magician. <laughs> and that's how he gets that job. Yep. Washington is going to play 
Case Keenum, a quarterback, potentially in the game against the Vikings. No way he's in Washington without the Teddy Bridgewater injury, which domino effects to him. He's a backup where? I don't know. I mean, maybe still here. Still still with the Rams or something? Yeah, exactly. He, he could have been a backup here for Bridgewater after Sean Hill retired. Who sure. knows? But yeah, he probably doesn't get any other chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. This is how crazy it is, right? I mean, if, if this year um, the Carolina Panthers are going down the wild card race with the Vikings. Yep. You're going to look over there and go, well, North Turner is there. Yep. It's possible that North Turner never gets fired or resigns if Teddy Bridgewater's here because Norv was the guy that wanted Bridgewater all along. So you, you've got the Panthers, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Jets, right? Because of course the, the, the Jets, Jets traded yep. or, or signed him and then uh, traded him to the Saints. Well, not only that, but the Jets might end up with Kirk Cousins if Minnesota's not an option. Sure. And you could say, and if you really want to go crazy domino effect, you can even get to the Jacksonville Jaguars with Nick Foles because Sam Bradford might have remained the backup quarterback in Philly, if you think about that, right? God help him if that had been the case. And then maybe Nick Foles never ends up signing with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then when he going did, that on, might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, so five, it's five or six teams without a shadow of a doubt. Oh yeah, yeah, and there's and the there's there's more because Denver is obviously yeah. one of them. Um, I mean, maybe Baltimore just changed Joe Fl- trades Joe Flacco somewhere else, but um, you know who knows what they decide to do with their quarterback situation. And if the Jets don't draft Sam Darnold because they've got Kirk Cousins, then where does Sam Darnold go? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, well, that you're that's deep, man. So, do you think this is going to work out for Teddy? Woo. I honestly have no clue. Because the injury was so bad. I hope it does. And, and he is e- easily a smart enough quarterback to be successful. But Matthew, his knee snapped. His leg snapped. Like, it's not it's not normal. If he had dropped back and torn an ACL, heck, if he had torn the ACL and MCL, you'd be like, okay, that's really unfortunate. And it derails you for a year, but you'll be back. But when your leg just goes non-contact, no reason still to this day. And how many of those have have we heard? Because there have been people whose leg has snapped, but you know why, right? They get hit. Something weird happens. It's a catastrophic, but explainable. This one's not explainable. So, long answer shorter, I have no clue. And until I see it over an extended period of time, my gut tells me there's a good chance that it it never returns to being close to what it could have been or was at one time. That's what I wonder about is a, a decent part of his game was having the instincts to take off. Yes. And I remember looking this up, how many, he got a bunch of first downs in 2015 by just taking off and running. Yeah. And now that you see Kirk Cousins, when he tries to run, you see the difference between not speed and, and Keenum, same way, instinctual runner, yes. not instinctual can runner. You, w- with a bad offensive line, if you're a right-handed quarterback, can you feel the pressure from your backside? And, no, and that's and, a split second. That's a split second deal. And no when to take off. Like when yes. like to be able to look up. Because I think that Cousins has his eyes drop sometimes when things get hairy. And that's what you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to keep your eyes. And the football up. the football drops. And the football too, drops, right? And then he pats the football and okay. So that's kind of where the some of the fumbles come from. Sure. But anyway, you know, Bridgewater and Keenum were able to keep their eyes up and run, and that was part of Bridgewater's value. Is he going to be willing to do that? I watched the Week 17 game back where he played a little for the Saints. That game was kind of like a preseason game because the Saints were already in. Panthers were playing a backup quarterback. Saints defense did not. They, it was Pro Bowl tackling rules for the Saints defense that day. So it was like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. But he did run once or twice. He moved. Um, but But I don't know. I mean, he looked absolutely great. For the Jets in preseason, mm-hmm. which is what convinced New Orleans to trade for him. Sure. And the fact that New Orleans paid as much as they did to bring him back makes me think that they feel like that their doctors and their head coach, that they feel like, yeah, this could work. But I still think about the team that would know the most about his injury, which is the Minnesota Vikings, who yep. were there the whole time. Yep. They moved on from him, not because... They wanted to, with their head coach especially, who's the one who calls the shots. They moved on because they were afraid that the knee wasn't going to hold up. Yep. And that's fair. And that, and that's why I still have, the, I have no idea. The one thing that, that might be in his favor at this point, too, though, is if you recall, he only ran and he only runs when he needs to. He doesn't want to run. 
So like his yeah, game was never his name his game was never based around I've got to run. Right. Yeah, his yeah, game yeah. was based yeah. around it's I'll, I'll run game, if right. I have to. Mm-hmm. So that might help. But yeah, I just it's such it's such an off the charts injury. I just don't know. Yeah, like no, Culpepper, and, and, I saw his knee blew up because two guys hit him. And like you saw a guy just drop back to pass and it went. This will this will be why. Circling back to why we talked about Teddy Bridgewater for the hour, this will be why it's going to be worth talking about for a very long time. As long as Kirk Cousins is here and the ripple effect comes from Teddy Bridgewater's injury, it will be a relevant factor. But because there's still so much interest, I walk around before games, Judd, when it's nice, when it's cold, I hurry my ass inside. Yep. But before games, when it's in October, I'll walk around the parking lot kind of just... You Number know, fives, don't you, huh? Tons of number fives. People love still, them, yeah. Still. And uh, I get tweets all the time about how people want him to succeed in New Orleans, even though they hate New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame them, too. All right, we're going to take a break. we got hot routes coming up next. So Rami will be in. Judd's going to stick around. Jonathan as well. Uh, real quick, funny little news item that just came out. Tell me, how, tell me your reaction to this, just quick. The Golden State Warriors are retiring Kevin Durant's jersey. What? That's a real thing. Wait, 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 wait. They just put out a statement saying that they're going to retire his jersey. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it right here. Joe Lacob, who owns a team. That's very odd. Oh, okay. Now I'm... No, no. I can't accept this. What a weird day. No, I can't accept this. <laughs> Judd, let me tell you something else. My Twitter is just so great right now. This this headline from Yahoo Sports NHL. Matt Zuccarello is turning 32 and Paul Fenton is totally insane. That's the headline. <laughs> Listen to Judd's hockey podcast. What a weird After day. we're done at six o'clock or seven o'clock, go to uh, scorenorth.com. And let's just say that uh, many of us are very curious what Paul might be doing. Actually, when we wanted to hire Rami, what we did was we took him in a helicopter over the Twin Cities to show him around. Oh, that's, we shouldn't have done that. We, we should have gone to Chicago, his hometown, <laughs> and been like, you can have all this if you take a job at the score. All right, we will return here. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.